0: Hello, and welcome to Medium Cool, bonus content. Uh, I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and, you know, as always, we're brought to you here by the FilmYap. Uh, go check out thefilmyap.com for all things film, because they never shut up about movies. Now, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go into all the things. You know you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just type in Medium Cool Pod. We'll be there. Um, subscribe, all those things. But, you know, Joe and I watched a documentary by Alex Gibney called Totally Under Control. You can find it on Hulu. Go check it out. Totally Under Control. The film follows, uh, you know, the progression of the Trump administration's response to COVID. You know, when did it start and how did it unfold and how could things have been done differently to essentially, you know, fight the pandemic rather than invite it. Um, This may sound biased, but you know, the documentary uses uh, expert testimony from people who were involved in the Trump administration's process, as well as uh, evidence, actual footage, etc. So uh, it's kind of hard to argue, to be honest, you should just go check it out. It'd be an easy two hours for you. And it's very informative. Now, What did Joe and I know about COVID other than what we've read? Maybe some basic research. You know, we're not specialists. We're not doctors. So we decided to bring Eileen White along for the ride because she's an epidemiologist who has studied such things directly and has been a government employee. So, you know, way more cred there. So, you know, Eileen's going to be, you know, joining us for uh, this fun time. But I wanted to start with a personal story real quick because there's a reason that this didn't make The uh, main content part of our episode, episode four, you know, originally it was going to, but uh, something strange happened. So, uh, you know, a little behind the scenes, whenever we record an episode, whether it's just Joe and I, or we have a guest on or something, Uh, We usually use Skype because, uh, you know, if we have more than two people on here, if you use Zoom or something, unless you have a premium account, it will cut you off after about 40 minutes or so. So we just use Skype, you know, old school. It works just fine. We get pretty good results. We're happy. Well, I use my personal phone for this. So, you know, I have a little tripod on my desk, and, you know, I use my microphone, the whole deal. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Joe and I talked so long about our... You know, top five favorite movies about politics. Which the episode's still half as long as episode three, but nonetheless, uh, we talked that long. My phone wasn't fully charged when we began, so basically, I had eight percent once we brought Eileen White in. Um, it made it about halfway through, and as I was talking, my phone died. So I had to get another device that I had, pull it up real quick, get a set up, and I just basically continued from there. We edited it together. It sounds great, cool. Everything worked out, right? except my phone was dead, and whenever uh, we were done recording, I unplugged the device that I was using as a backup, and I started charging my phone, and after we stopped recording, you know, uh, Eileen, Joe, and I continued to talk, and we just had a good time for about 10-15 minutes until my phone came back on, and on my phone, I had a message from my grandfather and several texts, now, it's important to understand that, uh, you know, the movie Totally Under Control is about COVID. And something that we talk with uh, our epidemiologist friend Eileen is, you know, the, the risks of COVID. We talk about what's going on. What is it like to be a health official? You know, all of these aspects. And we're talking about COVID. And the whole time, and I even talk about it in our show, my grandmother was in the hospital dealing with lung and uh, oxygen intake kind of complications due to a positive COVID contraction. Well, after my phone came on and after I hung up with Eileen and Joe in a bit of a panic because my phone was kind of blowing up just in that little 15-minute period that it had died, and I received this message.
1: Hey there, Austin. This is your grandpa, and we just got a call. We're out of the hospital now, but we got a call a few minutes ago Grandma wants to be with the Lord, so keep that in mind now. bye
0: Um, That's my grandfather, as you heard, telling me that my grandma died. Um, And I think it's such a bizarre coincidence and happenstance that this happened while I was recording an episode of my podcast and the dead and the content was dedicated to COVID. It's just a a very bizarre thing. But you know, I was told that my grandma was getting better. I was told this is mostly by my family, not not health officials, the, the doctors I'm sure, people I could never I was not ever able to talk to. Um, But, you know, my family told me, you know, "Eh, we're hoping in about four or five days she'll be able to come home. They're just trying to get her oxygen levels, you know, put together. And I get a call out of the blue that she's dead. And so, um, you know, this episode, I made bonus content because it became, like, vastly more important to me. My grandmother took a trip with my grandpa, one of my uncles, my aunt, uh, and they all... You know, took a trip and they all contracted COVID on that trip. All of them. My grandfather, who is uh, seventy nine, he uh, ended up getting better and he's okay. Um, my uncle, who's in his fifties, he's okay. My aunt Rosie, who's in I think her nineties or something, I mean, her late eighties. I mean, she's she's uh, quite a bit older than my grandma. It's my grandma's sister, and she uh, she ended up getting better uh, to my knowledge. Um, but my grandma, uh, she didn't, unfortunately. And so my, my, my whole thing here is, uh, you know, wear your fucking mask, uh, because you don't know who you're going to be around. You don't know who could be damaged. Keep a distance. I just don't understand, I guess, why people have such a hard time doing this. It's not that hard. Just keep your mask on. It's uncomfortable for a while. Make it a habit. And it's not anymore. Trust me. I forget I even have it on. And I don't even have a comfortable mask, really. <laughs> uh, just do it. It saves lives. I'm telling you. All science shows that to some extent it saves lives. Do the thing. We're at way too high a number of deaths for this to still be an issue. So basically, my grandma died. I received that message And, you know, uh, I I guess the biggest thing is that my grandma uh, was like a mom to me. You know, I I, I lived with my mom and dad until I was 12. My parents split up, and I moved when I was 13 to live with my grandparents. And from 13 to 23, so nearly half my life at that point, uh, I lived with them. And, you know, my grandma would always say things like, um, you know, yeah, well, um, maybe we can do that. Why don't you go ask your dad? Oh, I, I mean your grandpa. Like I was treated like a son by them, you know, and I called my grandma every day, every two days, sorry, not every day, every two days. I knew she was weak. I knew she needed rest and I knew I wasn't going to get a ton of updates. And my hope was that if there were updates, someone would call me, Right. So, you know, my grandma was in the hospital. I called her every two days. And eventually, uh, I was told not to call her anymore because they were doing some uh, oxygen things. That's exactly how I was told. They're doing an oxygen thing. Um, I found out later it was a ventilator. Didn't know. Um, but they're doing an oxygen thing. It's uncomfortable for her. So, you know, just call call us if you need any information. And I just kept being told that she's going to get better. Um, and then she didn't. So... Uh, guys, this is just, I I just can't stress enough how serious this is. People play it off like it's not that big a deal, like the economy is more important than a human life, and I just don't subscribe to that. So if you do either agree to disagree, stop listening, like I don't know what to tell you. I just disagree. And someone that I'm very close to died, and there are hundreds of thousands of people Who have faced this exact situation? Please listen to the rest of this episode. I'm gonna go ahead and move on. You're gonna hear us being a bit more jovial. We'll have some fun. Joe gets pretty hot at one point and starts getting, you know, upset and, you know, kind of raising his voice, getting worked up. It's really great. I probably sound really great and fun. Uh, This is all before I receive that message. So sorry that I'm not super chipper right now. I'm sure you totally understand. Honestly, I'm angry if I had to say anything. Um, I'm just upset about the whole thing. Um, Listen to this episode. It means a lot to me. I I think it's good. And, uh, you know, one, you'll get to hear what we thought of this documentary because it is awesome. Go check it out. Totally under control on Hulu. Um, But also you'll get to hear it from, you know, someone who is a part of the science. So go check it out and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you.
2: The CDC has identified a case of coronavirus in Washington state. Are there words about a pandemic at this it, point? No,
1: we're not at all, and it's uh, gonna be just fine. Whatever happens, we're totally
2: prepared.
0: The scientists knew what to do for the pandemic response. The plan was in front of us, but leadership would not do it. It is time to lay our careers on the line and push back.
1: It's clear the United States did not perform to the best of its ability with the coronavirus.
2: Went wrong for us.
1: The truth is that political leaders caused avoidable death and destruction.
0: The scientists sounded the alarm every day. The US government was doing nothing.
1: One day it's like a miracle, it will disappear. It'll be wonderful.
0: It'll be a gift from heaven.
1: It's complete bullshit. He has no idea what he's talking about decided to break
2: protocol and alert Americans.
1: A key government scientist was removed because he wouldn't climb on the president's
2: bandwagon. They'd started to blame other people and it was frightening. There was real fear of retribution and we were watching the number of deaths in the U.S. tick higher and higher.
1: Do you take responsibility? No, I don't take responsibility at all. We've never had a failure like this.
0: The truth is finally coming out. There's so much to expose.
2: We have it totally under control.
0: And that was the trailer for the documentary Totally Under Control that was released here in the last couple of weeks on Hulu, directed by Alex Gibney. And Joe, give us all of the directorial (laughs) credits here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so we got three directors: Alex Gibney, Ophelia, Harutnian. I'm probably saying that wrong, and Suzanne Hillinger. So, so yeah, yeah. G- I- Gibney especially is kind of the the name of the three, right? He did um, Enron, the smartest guys in the room, among you know other things. So he's got name value, and he's he's the one they're pushing for sure on the in the trailer.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So Alex Gibney and company. I will. I don't mean that as a as a. Uh, I mean that more out of respect, so they don't have to hear me say their name. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But uh, Alex Gibney and company, uh, this documentary puts a spotlight on the White House's failed response to the global pandemic and how it could have been prevented. Featuring damning testimony from public health officials and hard investigative reporting, director Alex Gibney reveals a system-wide collapse caused by a profound deterioration of presidential leadership. And um, that pretty much sums up what Totally Under Control is. And you know, if you're listening, you may ask, okay, so they're going to talk about this informative documentary about the uh, pandemic and how it was handled. What Mm -hmm. can you really say about it? I mean, what could we actually talk about that deals with the evidence and the informative nature of this documentary? And I'm going to start with one thing that I'll kind of lead into and then pass it off to you, Joe. Yeah. You know, I think based on that synopsis, you know, one could easily, depending on their political persuasion, see that as a very kind of uh, one-sided or biased perspective, right? It's talking about the damning testimony and the failure of the current administration. And, you know, uh, is this film biased? I would say generally, no. And I'm going to back that up. Now, of course, of course, one could argue that any time a film is made, depending on what you choose to cut or don't cut, is a choice that could lead to a personal bias, whether it is actually acknowledged or not, subconscious, whatever but I think that this is held in enough evidence and Mm -hmm. facts friends listening, facts exist, they are things that are actual truths that are usually peer reviewed and repeated over and over until that information is found to be valid Mm -hmm. this documentary is based in those things, so facts are facts Evidence is available. We can actually find this evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and this film focuses almost exclusively on first-person testimonies and evidence to present an argument uh, for why the Trump administration dropped the ball entirely when dealing with the COVID pandemic, as we see you know, today. Joe, I don't know if you've seen, yeah. Yeah. but the yeah. Trump administration let out a press release mm-hmm. declaring victory over ending the pandemic, yes. even though mm-hmm. we are currently seeing record highs for daily contractions. So this is kind of what the documentary is dealing with. You know, I don't mean to get overly political. I'm pretty sure it's pretty obvious that, you know, I am a bleeding heart liberal, but that's (laughs) not where this comes from. You know, it's uh, I mean, I I found this really interesting before I get into any more and get off uh, so I can get off my soapbox here. Joe, where would you like to start with this? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, this? Yeah,
1: this is this is the thing. This is the thing. I'm not, I don't want to get into Republican versus Democrat or, you know, conservative and liberal. This film spells out what, what is wrong, what went wrong. And if you're sitting wherever you're sitting, standing, wherever you're standing, and you feel like the response to COVID has been a rousing success there's not much i can do to convince you otherwise right we've all been sitting here and seeing it right we've all we've all been watching this you know unfold right before our eyes the thing that this film really does for me as someone who is very interested in this topic as someone who is um, in you know in in the way that a white middle class you know man in his 40s can be Politically involved without actually running for office, you know, or going out and participating in in protests or whatever. I, you know, I'm very interested in this. I I participate in this. I have discussions with people, and you know that we're going to actually bring someone in in a few minutes. Um, You know, I've been talking to her a lot about this kind of stuff. There's uh, there's stuff that is supposed to be done when something like this is happening that didn't get done. It not only was not done; it was completely shunned. It was completely thrown away. The people whose jobs whose job it is to do this stuff in Washington D.C. they are the some of the people who are who are spotlighted in this. They speak to some of these people. They speak to some of these people in depth. And you know, now they don't talk. I don't believe. I don't remember. I don't think Dr. Fauci is actually a, an interview subject in this film. He's discussed a lot. Uh, you know Deborah Burks and and um, what's the other guy's name? Um, um, I don't remember the other, the who's the, the other doctor for the CDC, um, the guy with the Amish beard. <laughs> 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 I, I forgot his name. I just faced his name. Anyway, they talk about them, um, but they talk to a lot of these other people who were kind of summarily dismissed for political reasons, um, and. It's, I mean, I, if basically, if, if you by now, believe, you know, are still on Trump's side as far as this goes, I don't think this is going to do much to dissuade you because you probably aren't too interested in actual facts anyway, you know, the, and hear it, you're not interested in hearing what this film has to say. I would still, of course, recommend you watch it and try to have an open mind. But, you know, I, I kind of have, my doubts as to whether it would sink in or not. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at, uh, you know, from the start, from a starting point watching this. Um, You might think it's not worth watching, you know, saying, Hey, I, you know, we lived through all this. There are some things even for me that I watched. um, Number one things where I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that now that we don't just haven't talked about anymore. There's a lot of little bits that, you know, that either someone has said, or, you know, bits of news that, came out that people just kind of dismissed you know out of hand and that what this film does well is it'll it'll dig into some of those and and give you some perspective on exactly why it's important and and why it was you know why it was something that um maybe should have been paid attention to that people knew they should have paid attention to and they just decided not to um yeah so yeah that that's kind of where i am at the just just as just at the outset of it all
0: (laughs) yeah i mean you know there's what what I like about uh this documentary one is that they have people that are directly involved with this over the last 8 months. So like you were yes. saying Joe, there are people that were directly put in power mm-hmm. to do these things regarding uh implementation of certain like quote unquote precautions uh yeah. or you know whatever policies were being put into place. These people were the people doing it. And they yeah. actually have the emails from these people that are actually shown what, you know, the damning testimony, a lot of it is the people themselves, not in the documentary, but the people they're criticizing in emails. I mean, I think that's the most incriminating aspect is they're like, they're like, Hey, yo, 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 don't send uh, uh, testing kits and stuff to people. We need to do, you know, hydrochloroquine, you know, like get that out there. No, stop the testing when we needed testing. And we right. needed PPE, and we needed all these things. You know, I mean, it's infuriating. Yeah. My my wife was dreading watching it. She's like, I don't know if I want to get pissed tonight because she right. was ready to get like <laughs> upset about it. You know, and yeah. and you know, I just watched it a couple of nights ago. Uh, but yeah, we we uh, we watched it, and and it. I mean, it is really informative. I will say one thing before we move on. Um, you know, uh, Rick Bright, who is uh, w- one of the subjects that they they interview. Um, and oh. I, I feel Terrell. He's a doctor. I cannot remember. I think he was one of the uh, doctors that they were, you know, talking with to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, g- gain more information and do research and things. I, I I feel like I'm butchering that. I cannot exactly remember Rick Bright's role, but he was directly oh. involved with the administration and mm-hmm. uh, with this uh, whole uh, with their whole um, uh, agenda, basically. Yeah. And there was mm-hmm. a point where. I'm pretty sure it's him correct me if I'm wrong Joe but I'm pretty sure it's mm-hmm. it's Rick Bright and uh when Trump was in India or out of the country somewhere he was getting on a plane uh yeah. at that time Rick Bright was doing an interview and he wasn't told not to say certain things Yeah. So he just mm-hmm. straight up comes clean and like mm-hmm. tells everyone like yo everything you've heard's not true like this is it and he gets released mm-hmm. he gets fired. You know they try to suppress him, and it's sad because he like starts to cry, like he starts to kind of break down. This was clearly a traumatic experience for all of these individuals as well, not just Rick Bright, um, but all of these individuals. I strongly encourage you to head over to Hulu, check this out. I mean, it's it's, um, you know, Mm -hmm. I think, man, it's just really informative. Uh, But I think the key here, Joe, is you and I—we're we're we're armchair experts here, right? We don't know what we're talking about. We don't really. We can't speak you know, heads or tails about what how COVID's working or any of that, which mm-hmm. is why we're going to be talking to epidemiologist Eileen White here in just a moment. And I'm going to go ahead and let Eileen tell you a little bit about herself.
2: Hi, I'm Eileen White. Uh, I'm an epidemiologist and a nurse uh, living in Fishers and um, loving the pandemic world that we're all living in right now.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. So, um, you know, we, I think all of us uh, at this point have seen the documentary Totally Under Control, which is uh, what we've been talking about. And, um, you know, Eileen, you being an epidemiologist will have a different perspective than we do. Um, why don't you go ahead and give us kind of your story with this uh, and, you know, your thoughts on the matter?
2: Um. You know, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> there's a lot, so um, I'll, I'll do it this way. Um, so I'm an, I'm an epidemiologist and I've worked in state health departments, so in government. Um, and the last uh, role I had was an epidemiologist at Fisher's Health Department. I resigned that role over the influence of the mayor in pushing politics into public health metrics. And um, how those are communicated out and guidance that's provided. So when I saw this movie, (laughs) um, it's it's wrecking for those of us, um, maybe especially because there are those of us in this public health world um, that know how little um, investment there has been Mm -hmm. in public health over the last few decades and what could have happened um, instead of what happened. (laughs) Yeah. So so watching this was really uh, difficult because it it made it all very clear how much politics came in and took over from science and data.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, in, in your own, in kind of your own world, Eileen, uh, you've already told us a little bit, but when you're watching this, you know, uh, w- what are moments in the documentary that yeah. stood out to you that you felt were... Um, almost like you could almost like relate to that, right? Like that personally affected you. I'm sure the whole thing, you know? The whole thing <laughs> but, did, right. Yeah, but right. Like what are some like highlights that you're just like, man, that yeah. hits home. Like this this is, this is should have been handled differently or this was more yeah. serious than they said or like whatever the thing yeah. is, you know, like how, how did that affect you?
2: Yeah, so it, um, it's mind boggling to have something um, dismissed so out of hand. When we had information that was coming into our federal government, it's the very first couple of minutes of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're you're seeing that that we had information. China wasn't wanting to admit it, um, but we in our own government had information about what was happening. Um, and everything that we had hoped to set up in place to handle things um, early on to prevent such things from well, to prevent the world that we're currently living in from ever existing, right? All of those things um, could have been set in motion, but we had had just this repeated um, uh, disinvestment, if you call it that, or getting rid of all the things like having a um, a global response initiative for pandemics. I mean, when you see that, I think it's about halfway through the movie, when you see that come across that they disbanded in twenty. 20- You know, that that Bolton got rid of the experts that had already been convened after Ebola. We had a pandemic response team. Um, When all of that was thrown away in the trash, we had the response already. We even had, you know, this um, rehearsal that had been done to plan for such events. And all of that was just tossed out. Um, So I think for anybody watching it, you're just struck with how incredibly... Um, horribly all of this went but you're also struck even with if you're not in public health with the fact that we had experts in place um, and we have spent the last four years um, making sure that science no longer has a place in our government Um, and that has consequences and we're looking at them right now Mm -hmm. so um, another part that really hit me was Rick Bright um, I just brought him, no. I
0: brought him up. Yeah. Before you <laughs> yeah. came on, he was uh, one of my kind of pinpoint moments of how heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry, Eileen. Go go ahead. No, I, I'm is, with you on it, this. We're, we're on the it same page It echoes,
2: team. right? Yeah. It's everybody. I, I don't have, you don't have to be an epidemiologist to be incensed and um, just enraged at all the things that went wrong. Um, but Rick Bright is one of our best. Um, these are people who have spent their lives doing this and the head of BARDA, um, to have 10 years of experience and to then be told to push a drug with no science behind it and to try our best. So this is one of the pieces that maybe as an epidemiologist in my position and having to resign it, I feel most strongly, um, wrecked by was his, you know, him admitting that they... Thank God for having put hospitalizations in to the EUA for hydroxychloroquine. Um, and that's the best they could do to try to mitigate it. And I remember making these choices myself at Fisher's. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, these are the guidelines for metrics from Harvard. This is best practices. And then I was pushed to mitigate them. And I thought, okay, well, if I'm not here, this will be so much worse. So I'm going to compromise. Um, and that still, I, I lose sleep still. But I made sure that those metrics were closer to what they would have, what they should have been. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't been there and Rick Bright protected us um, and his whole team protected us, if he hadn't been there, I don't, I can't even imagine where we'd be.
1: Yeah. It, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going.
2: No, I was just going to say in the way he, you know, the character assassination that happened after um, I'm living through that myself. Uh, it's not fun to get threatened I'm just in Little Fishers, um, but Rick Bright dealt with the people that make up these scary groups, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even imagine that. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. yeah. I, I should I should just clarify, you know, for us, uh, Eileen and I live in the same community, more or less. I, I live in Noblesville, Indiana, so this is we're suburbs of Indianapolis. Oh, um, sorry. And and Fishers is um, is a you know upper middle class type you know, area. And uh, our kids are in the same school district, not in the same, none of the same schools, but um, she's been, you've been very active on social media and things like that. And that's how I got to know you. Um, Mm -hmm. And it it is, it's that that the public sentiment turns so fast. And for, you know, for me, you know, and you and I have had conversations, you know, obviously about this, but the thing that you know, looking at this film as an, in an overall perspective, if you're someone who's ever had a Facebook argument with somebody about the Trump administration's response and listen to someone defend it and you listen to the things that they say, this, this film step by step from the beginning of it refutes every single one of those. And, and that's what, what gets me the most is, as I was watching it, I was like, this is this is something that if if you just go back to the, all the arguments I've had, and you listen to what people have said, and it it just discredits every single thing, you know, and and all the double talk and all the you know the the the, the back turns and the double backs and over and back again that that they do, they're just these gymnastics, right? and But all of these criticisms are objectively provably true. You know, all of these things they didn't do can be measured, and and this film, in a sense, does that in a lot of ways. Does that right? Um, can can you talk a little bit about that? You know, you, you talked a little bit about kind of that that response. Can you talk a little bit about how you see these these people, these more public figures, and and you know, the ones that that got me are people who are faces now of this, um, Deborah Burks and I. I, I and I can't remember the other guy's name. The other doctor. Who's the other doctor oh, for the CEC? Oh, um, not, not Redfield. That. Yeah, Red. Dr. Redfield. Yeah, the, you know, yeah. and they have been people that have been called on to be voices of reason, but this film kind of shows that they have a little more of a background in in kind of being um, people who were sympathetic to Trump or you know yeah. a little more willing to push his agenda. And that's frightening. That's terrifying.
2: It is. Um, but it speaks volumes right from the very get go about what was valued. And yeah. it wasn't science. Mm-hmm. If you have I mean, the CDC director was passed over previously. Right. Redfield had already been brought up um, and turned down for that job. And there's a reason. Um, and you ha- I mean, he's a perfectly he's a physician, um, but his role in the course of, you know, the AIDS epidemic and um, pushing a vaccine that was unproven. Mm-hmm. Somebody like that should never be heading an agency full of people who don't compromise on science. That's what CDC is. That's what we look to them for. And I will make this point here. Um, our CDC is the guiding light and it always has been for public health worldwide. So there are reasons. All these countries you hear it in the movie, Korea's North or South Korea's, not North Korea. <laughs> <South Korea's, laughs> that would be unfortunate. Um, South Korea's uh, entity is the CDC. It's, the, it's a CDC in every country, and it it's based on our CDC. That's how big and how trusted and how far back a reputation goes. So to have it kind of just tromped on by these um, people and. You know, Redfield might be po- sort of the worst kind of representative we could have because not only, you know, is he kind of compromised, but he's, his personality and his mannerisms are pretty, um, not mannerisms, his way, are are pretty um, weak and waffly um, for a scientist. And then you see Fauci and you see the difference in how somebody who has been in this world and advocating through pandemics and epidemics for 40 years behaves in front of um, you know, committees that are grilling him, right? Judiciary committees are all these committees that he's been testifying in front of. That is what we need. We need advocacy. We need scientists to be able to speak to the public in ways they can understand and to give them the no bullshit version. Um, and, and I struggle a lot with Burks because um, Burks is a hugely compromising figure, I think. So yeah. and and it's mostly because she doesn't stop when things are obvious. So injecting people with bleach should have been a straight, oh my god, why? No, stop, <laughs> right? Yeah. But she didn't say that. It's the public health messaging is really poorly done.
0: Yeah, and, and in the documentary, you see Burks, I believe, when someone says a line that absurd, yeah. and she just like kind of stands there like baff like she's kind of baffled by it but there's no standing in and what what mm. I what I wish and I think that the documentary really kind of highlights and points out is that something like the CDC should not be at the beck and call of the government the CDC should be its own Entity that should allow us based exclusively in science and research and peer reviewed research and and studies like all the things that would make up what we consider and what Joe and I established as truth and facts. Okay, that's what the CDC (laughs) should be focused on. And they should be much like, you know, uh, news journalism should be the watchdogs should be right. Uh, The CDC should be watchdogs for science. Right. Would you agree with that?
2: I, I would. And um, I would say that this is, you know, a perfect way to, to reiterate why I left our own agency. You cannot have public trust, right? Our biggest issue in this country right now is that we don't trust anybody anymore and we don't know which way is up. And that's because there's so much crap coming out from these different um, entities and they all have governmental influence. So when I quit here, I will tell you, everybody was on board with me. Everybody it was surprising. Everybody was like, oh yeah, we don't like fatness for X, Y, Z reason. When I started talking more <laughs> and when I started advocating for public health and the data and the research, that's when that little group kind of split off. And now I'm a horrible human. Um, so I think that that's, that's what happens, right? So if everything's so confusing and you don't know science from politics and politics is twisting everything, then CDC, public health everywhere, has no way of getting out messaging no matter what. So it's up to independent epidemiologists, public health people, scientists everywhere, doctors, infectious disease doctors, especially, to yeah. get out there on social media and make themselves a place and advocate. And sometimes that means you have to have a strong opinion and that's okay. And we struggle with that in science. We struggle.
1: If, uh, if I can, uh, I'm I'm gonna not direct this away from from our topic of conversation, even, you know, I'm going to step away from this film maybe a little bit. Um, But um, if if you go to the film, yeah, Eileen and I actually had a discussion about another film that's similarly themed. It's not, it doesn't have the political slant at all. It's called 76 days. So that was one of the um, opening films of the Heartland film festival this year. Um, it, it screened, um, the first night or, or, oh, the second night after opening night. yeah. Yeah. And it was, so it's, it's about, it's a, a documentary that's a lot, it's, it's more, much more straight laced in terms of, you know, like I said, in terms of like a political issue. Um, it, so it takes place inside the hospitals in Wuhan in the kind of the early days of before it has, you know, even come to America. And if you just watch that, and, and Eileen obviously has very, very insightful things to say about that. And we have basically, it's basically a discussion between the two. It was a quasi-interview, if you want to call it that. Um, it's a two-parter. She had so much to say that was really insightful. and, and uh, uh, Stop, obviously Joe, You'll it, make her blush, okay? Just so. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But uh, she, uh, I just, I kind of want to just point out that, you know, you did that there. You're doing that now with us. You know, in this podcast, and but you also do that on Facebook every day, um, and you also, I guess, recently just started a blog, where you're going to do that as well. Tell tell us about those. Tell us and tell us if someone wanted to come and and join in on that discussion, how they might be able to do that.
2: Okay, so um, I have a Facebook page I've been keeping actually since March, right? It started, mm-hmm. and that was just my own feeling like it needed to happen. It's the the page is called Public Health is Your Job Too. Um and it wasn't meant to shame anybody, (laughs) which I've heard a lot. People take it that way, but it really is everybody has to do their part. Mm -hmm. Um and, and that's that's the point of all of this. So there's that page on Facebook. Um, I am, I just started this blog. Thanks to Joe. (laughs) Um, and, uh, the blog is also, it's called the same thing. Public health is your job too. And it's on WordPress and you can link to it. I I link to it on that Facebook page all the time. Uh And then I just got on Twitter, which is uncomfortable and weird. Um, but I, I tweet (laughs) at at, at Epi RN activist and, um, I really, at at this point, that's just holding government and these ridiculous politicians um, accountable mm-hmm. for their ridiculous choices. I'm seeing them out in public without masks, holding indoor events right now. Yesterday, our mayor had an indoor event with no masking, no distancing, or maybe there were two masks. Um, okay. It's just irresponsible, and our government needs to lead better. Yeah. So.
1: yeah, the the thing for me that that really that that I've that stuck out to me, um, and I, and again, i told you this is that you're not, if you look at, if you just go on to, you know, public health is your job too. And and it's, it's public health is your job too. Blogspot.com. Is that right?
2: WordPress. Dot, is,
1: we'll look at it. Well, we'll, okay. post, a, we'll post a link to <laughs> it. You link to that. I don't yeah, even know We'll that. definitely <laughs> link to it. Yes. Yeah. But what you do is you take this, this is a very thick subject, right? Like public health is very involved and very in depth. And you're you know much of your discussions in this area is revolving around the reopening of schools and things like that right that's uh, you know a lot of concerned parents and and that was uh, again what for me initially you know it, what it kind of attracted me to to your page and to to want to talk to you was was seeing all of that and hearing all of that because it's hard to know for, unless you were kind of tuned in when you're hearing these things you, you think uh oh, you know I mean my kid you know there's there's this well, you know, I don't want to like think I'm just like scared and I'm you know have my kids cowering at home and we got to live our lives and all that stuff. But it's not even about that. Like it's you know and and when you look at it, but this this is the thing that you do is you do such a good job of explaining. number one, what the important metrics are to look at, mm-hmm. why they're important, and you and you break it down into a, a kind of a day-to-day level. a lot of times you'll say, this is why this is important because this does, this happens and then it leads to this. And then, you know, and, and having those real world examples and understanding that is a tremendous help to me. And it kind of, it demystifies the whole thing because I think a lot of people are just dismissive about it. You know, and they hear, oh, it's the flu and, oh, you know, it's 99% of the people who get it don't die from it. And, you know, and when you say that, you're like, well, okay. But then you think, what's 1% of the population, it's you know, a little like
2: bit deeper. Yep. Yeah.
1: And that, that was the first question I asked. What, what's 1% of 1% of the American population is what? 30 million people, right. something like, is that right? Yeah.
2: You know, Cause right? we're 3, 330 million in our
1: yeah. country. Yeah. 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 So, so it's like
2: a lot of people. Well, I mean, yeah. you
0: know, my wife and I stopped using like, well, we never really used it, but we made an active choice to not say 1%. Yeah. Of people oh, yeah. we say the number of people who have died or the number of people right. who've contracted it. Because mm-hmm. you get into that, uh see, I studied communication as well, and that is yeah. a big difference. Mm-hmm. Like depending on uh semantics and the, the choice of words mm-hmm. can completely shift. And we see this mm-hmm. in speaking of politics. Mm-hmm. Now we're way off, but you know, even in the <laughs> news, like if someone mm-hmm. says, you know, you know, uh Black Lives Matter protests, you know, people fighting for you know, racial justice, and then another source might say, you know, thugs destroying a target in whatever, that is too different like you're saying, that you're talking about the same situation, but your Mm -hmm. words and the semantics can change that, and my point, getting back to all of this is, you're seeing um, a a, a complete disregard for messaging Um, I was just telling Joe this earlier Eileen, Uh, I asked him uh, kind of jokingly, but You know, did you know that uh, the Trump administration had released um, a press release saying that uh, (laughs) you're kind of smiling already, (laughs) but saying saying (laughs) that they saying that they ended the pandemic. And it's like, no, no, you didn't end it. We're at like record high contractions daily right now. Like, what are you talking about? But that type of messaging, I mean, like i don't know if this really relates maybe specifically to what you do but you know in in your line of work and and where you've worked like what is it like being in a science based um like informative position and mm-hmm. seeing misleading information and in some cases i'm assuming probably having to in some way compromise or back into that yeah. Mis- misleading information. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, it does. I mean, you. I think we've been put in a position that we didn't used to be in, right? Mm-hmm. Public health um, has not been super controversial. Certain areas maybe, but not overall. Like people don't even know what we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so now, yeah, it's it's getting to the point where it's enraging. Quite honestly, um, you will hear folks like Epi's on even Harvard's podcasts, um, they're asked questions by journalists. Michael Minna is one of the best. He's an epidemiologist. He's an infectious disease doc. He's a pathologist. This man has all the lenses that a person can have to look at this. And somebody will ask him, well, what do you say about our approach? Um, and we should be testing more. And he just, he's like, I just, I'm just just so mad. You can see it, you can hear it. He has to clarify the questions that journalists are asking but back them into where the actual truths and facts are because they don't even know half the time. So it's exhausting. Honestly, I think a lot of us are so tired. Um, and I have taken, I used to debunk a lot. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm almost like on fumes here. So what we, what I'm grateful for is finding other people. And I think for us in public health, that's where we're gaining strength now, we're coming out on social media and advocating for other people to do that. So I've just linked up with say a biostatistician down at IU who's feeling the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, I I posted some of her stuff today, you know, she does these beautifully simple ways of debunking debunking things, um, just looking at the numbers, right, in a different way. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what we do in public health has to be to bring the humanity back. And I think that people say numbers And they forget that that's somebody's mother. And I, you know, I have an ICU nursing and PACU nursing background. Um, I have held people's hands as they died. I have that other bedside perspective that just makes this so much harder because my friends are suffering in the hospital right now because they're exhausted. So, I mean, there are so many different things that we are hit with right now, and it's hard to manage them all. But the biggest and most important one is messaging to the community that these are real people.
0: Uh, My mom's been uh, passed for a couple of years, but uh, her, her brother, um, my grandma, my grandpa, they were all diagnosed. They went on a trip. They came back. They had COVID like positive. And my grandma ended up uh, going to the hospital. She's been there for four weeks. Uh, She's still in there. They can't equalize her oxygen, you know, and they're not saying that she's on death's door, but it's just, they can't like equal, they can't, if she walks around her oxygen drops, right? So they have to keep her in bed. But keeping her in bed for four weeks weakens her like she's, you know, losing uh, strength. So, you know, when people talk about, oh, it's only one percent, like, is that worth ruining our economy or doing this or doing that? It's like, yeah, one person's too much. I understand. I understand sometimes means justify the ends and ends justify the means and all these things. But I'm talking about 225,000 people have died. And what it is like 30 million or something have contracted this at some point. And who knows how many countless other uh, uh, undiagnosed people have uh, dealt with this, you know, whether they're asymptomatic or have just kind of taken care of it themselves. For example, my uncle didn't get a test because my grandparents already did and he felt like crap. He's like, yeah, I, I got it. And so he just quarantined himself. Which I understand, but it's like he's yeah. not marked now, right? So it's like how many other people did that? Save yourself and the time. He's not yeah. You got it. So, anyways, you know, I, I just I kind of want to just uh, wrap this up. And Joe, I'll I'll let you finish up if you have anything to say. But sure. I, I want to wrap up at least my questions for you, Eileen. With. Uh, after everything that we've talked about, and I would love to continue this. Maybe we'll do bonus content and just like totally bitch <laughs> about the government. But, uh, <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, I'm, I'm really into it. But back to the movie real quick with Totally Under <laughs> Control. You know, like, what is your opinion of documentaries like this? Do you feel like this is sincerely important? Do you cr- encourage people to go check this out, or would you encourage them maybe away from this doc and to a different resource that would give them more information, or like in terms of totally under control, like yeah. how do you feel about that, and would you encourage people to be looking into this? And basically, what I'm asking for is what's your rating, right? <laughs> like, yeah. what, like what are you? What would I, yeah. you give this, right?
2: You know, a from a public health perspective, right, and from from my lens, it's like everything everybody needs to see, um, and I will also add that, um, it's because it's truth and it, you can tell, (laughs) you can tell that it's true. And we just don't, don't get a lot of that. So in a lot of ways it's refreshing. Um, but it also makes you remember how to think things through, how to ask questions about what you're hearing because the gaslighting is everywhere. It's exhausting. Just don't look behind that curtain and don't look behind that curtain. But as soon as you start peeling it back, the horror show that is our government right now is on full display. And I think we need that as a, as a country, we need to see what happened. This is the same thing as um, well, I hope for the same thing as what happened after Nixon, that this country has to come to some understanding of what occurred. And that requires truth.
0: Yeah. 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 And and, you know, what's also just to add to your point, it's watching this documentary you realize that it was so easy for them to uncover oh. these things you know what i mean like their first it
2: didn't seem like it took them too much to get like they you could tell how easy it was you just pull that little thread and like it all unraveled
0: yeah it took them 5 months if i'm not mistaken joe you can correct me i think it took them 5 months to just straight up complete this doc that's crazy. Most documentaries I know of it's years. Like they have so much foot. We were just talking to Galen Ross, which will be airing on November 10th, but she nice. was an actress uh, and she makes documentaries and she was talking. I mean, she still has stuff from how many years ago was it, Joe? Like 25 years ago, this footage yeah, and stuff yeah. she has that never, like she hasn't been able to finish it. I mean, this stuff takes a long time and it's a lot of work and they did it in five months. And, and well, to me, did it.
2: it's, exceptionally well oh yeah it's it doesn't look like a homemade I mean this is like a a piece of art so yeah yeah I'm amazed
0: it's very professional and it's uh I I I think I'm going to speak for all three of us by saying like definitely go check this out I think we've all in one way or another said it we kind of back this and in large part because you know as we said before um there is facts there are facts and then alternative facts don't exist okay so not like a thing. <laughs> those are called not opinions and um, and facts exist and this documentary despite whether it agrees or aligns with your political philosophy this gives you the evidence and shows you what's going on and i'll say this and if any of if either of you have something to add to this you're welcome to but I, i'm not coming at this from a perspective that i want people to align with me politically i don't care about that Vote for who you think's right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I might criticize you personally, but <laughs> but I want you to exercise that right, and I want you to do that, and that's fine. Um, yep. But this is more than that. This is our children. This is my grandmother. This is countless other people's parents and siblings and children. And uh, I've known, you know, I, I have several people that are like, I don't even know anybody who's gotten it. And they kind of dismiss it, and it's like, I know a lot of people who've gotten it. Take my word for it, then, because this is real. Uh, One percent is not how you should look at it. 225,000 people dead, 30 million-plus contracted. This is a serious situation. We've turned into a political uh, talk radio show now, but um, (laughs) I'm proud of it. There's
2: another... Yeah. And it's, it's a wonderful look. And you also have to realize that it's, we talk a lot about the the impact that we're seeing in hospitals and deaths, but it's also about people like me who aren't better yet. You know, there are lots of us, like I still have heart issues and I still have breathing issues. There are lots of us and we don't know what that's going to look like. So, um, you know, mine have gotten better every month. I'm maybe on the right track. I don't know. There are a lot of people that are way worse than me, but like you said, it's not, it's somebody's grandma, but it's also like your teenager who's on the track team who now can't run anymore. Yeah. Like, what does that yeah. mean for them? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. it has everyday impact for all of us.
0: That is so, yeah. such, yes, 100%. We're on the same bus there. I, I do want to say something, though. You were alluding to the fact that you have had COVID. Can you tell mm-hmm. us, I don't want to, I actually don't even want to leave yeah. yet. I want to ask you about that real quick. Like. Yeah. Can you tell us a little my, bit about that? Because that's really important.
2: Sure. My experience is going to be a lot like everybody else's. My um, my husband's a surgeon, so he's in the hospital all the time. Uh, this was April twenty fourth, um, and I didn't go anywhere, and neither did my kids because I didn't want to expose other people to our exposure with him in the hospital. Um, and I came down with it, um, and I was it was immediate, just like a sudden onset shortness of breath one day. And I was keeping this blog. It's all on all on my Facebook page because I kept track of it the whole way through. Um, and it is a terrifying experience. Um, it was just the shortness of breath. I could not breathe. So you'll notice this with people. If you are near them, when they have struggle breathing, they'll not be able to talk through a sentence, right? Like they're, they're sucking air to, to finish words. That's where I was. So I had steroids early on. It went on for a month. Um, I had a 99.6 temp for three weeks. I uh, had hot flashes. I still get them sometimes. My fingers and toes still turn blue. Um, And I, I, my asthma is not under control. My immune system is still not um, under control. Everything's just kind of haywire. And uh, it makes sense after, you know, being that sick for that long, that you're gonna have some vascular issues and some immune compromise. We just didn't know back then. So I tried to get a test and it took me four different doctors um, and I'm well-resourced. Wow. wow, And I finally got a test at Lilly and it was negative. And like so many other people, I have never had a positive um, and I have no antibodies. So for those of us who see um, immunologists now, they're very sure that this is COVID. They have so many patients like me. There are long-haul clinics now in big cities to track people like me. Um, A lot of women in my age group, I am almost 40, almost. (laughs) And there are are just a lot of people in this age group that are 30s to 50s, women, men, but a lot of women. Um, And so we're we're being watched um, in these clinical studies to see what this will look like down the road. But my story is everybody else's. I'm no different. Um, I struggle a lot with being validated and that I had it when I don't have testing to confirm it. So these horrible people will say to you, you didn't have it. It's in your head. And you're like, Hey, what about my heart? Yeah. Right. (laughs) That says something else. So it's, it's a very scary thing to have. Um, I thought I was, I was barely out of the hospital and mine, mine were a lot of GI symptoms on top of everything else. So I was barely able to stay hydrated at home. Wow. This is true for a lot of people. Um, I, you know, I have a colorectal surgeon as a husband. I have had a lot of surgeries in that area, not by him. <laughs> we <laughs> grew up together. That's awkward. Um, but I I struggle to even stay hydrated, even with him, and being a nurse. So it is a severe disease, um, and it's terrifying. Even if you don't end up in the hospital, that's what it can look like. Yeah. At right. home. So,
0: so, so what you're saying is it's not fake. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sorry, yeah. I got
2: myself all up in like the passionate. Yes, it is not fake. Oh my god,
0: not fake. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's
2: so <laughs> I mean, like, you can look at your O2 stats at home and you're like in the high 80s, and it's yeah. scary, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just
0: scary. and and I, I'm nah. glad that you mentioned I love that we're completely off the movie. I'm totally fine with it. Uh, my, oh, my grandfather, No, 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 this is what we <laughs> did this for, yeah, but um, you know, my grandfather who had it. Um, you know, he went two weeks and then he went back to get a test and it was negative, but he still dealt with it. Like you said, for another two weeks, he even told yeah. me like, yeah, I have a negative test, but I still, I'm only at like 80%. You know what I mean? Like he can still feel yep. it. He still feels the fatigue. He's still tired and he's 80. He'll be 80 next <sighs> April or something. So, you know, he's like a lot older. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And um, I don't know. It's just, it's just really real, I guess is, is the thing. And I think this documentary, uh, does a great job at telling it. Joe, do you have anything you want to add to this before we start closing this up?
1: Yeah, no, I, you know, I would just say, again, go to publichealthisyourjob2.wordpress.com. I, I am Thank actually you. on it right at the moment. Um, <laughs> find her on Facebook. If you're listening to this and you live in, in the Fishers, Indiana area and you have kids who are school age, you want to find her page and join it if you are have any skepticism at all, close your mouth and open your ears and she will educate you and and tell you exactly what you need. We know what you need to hear, what you need to think about, what you need to be considering. This is not about smearing somebody. This Mm -hmm. is not about playing a political game. It's, it's really about keeping us safe and keeping us healthy. And If, you know, anybody who has an argument, you're just wrong. You know, it's like, that's all I can say. It's like, it's like, I'm sorry to say this, but you're wrong. No, Dr. Fauci isn't contradicting himself. No, the experts don't disagree or, you know, don't disagree with each other. They do. They do all agree with each other. And if you, you know, they're not wrong. They're not trying to, you know, ruin the presidency of Donald Trump. They're not trying, he does a good job of that himself, quite frankly, but zing, you yeah. got to get, you got to get past that. You have to let some things mean more than whatever owning you're trying to do of someone online or yeah. whatever, you know, you're owning the libs, whatever you're owning the libs at the price of people's actual real lives. Yeah. 1% of the population is a ton and I, you know, I've even gone to those lengths of saying, you know, that, you know, you, you, those people who die from this, those people spend money, you know, like, okay. you know, if, if you don't care about them any other way, but you're like, we got to open the economy, the economy, the economy, those people aren't spending any more money because they're not alive anymore. So, yeah. you know, look at it like that. My God, please just look at it some way other than outside of this, whatever this goofy, silly game we're playing and and take it seriously for a few minutes. We'll move past. What, you know, what do they say Eileen about if we would all wear masks for, you know, three, four months and if we would all just do it yeah. and we would all just if obey just... all the rules, right. It would be gone. It would be, it would be gone by April. It would be a miracle, yeah. you know, but it, it actually wouldn't be a miracle. It would be science. It you would know? Be so, science. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So you and you know, I I just want, you know again say thank you to you because I've seen you know and, and she talked about people smearing her. She literally has people in her neighborhood calling her a nut job, call, saying that she's drunk and making online and like I I read all the stuff that she does, and she is level headed and she is, if anything, she's too easy. And I'll I'll tell you if it had been me, I'd been like, come at me, come on, let's go. because You want to talk to me like that? You know, and, and I actually told, and and, I, and I'm sorry. We we can but probably it feeds close them,
2: Joe. Don't feed the trolls. This is
1: right, exactly This is right.
0: totally red ass, uh,
1: Joe. Mm-hmm. Right now. Like, oh, yeah, oh, oh yeah. And, and He's if we want to end, protective, I think
2: yeah.
1: If we, we want to cut the the podcast, you know, short, we can do that. But I I, I do want to say, and I haven't said this to you, but um, there was someone who came to me. You know, I offered my services. You know, for for our our school board issues, and you know, for for writing things, and Eileen. Um, has been through her stuff. And th- this woman sent me a, a message and she's like, I want to send an email to my, my kid's school's principal, because there are people who've been rabble rousing, causing trouble and, you know, calling, calling her names among other things. And she actually sent me that. Um, she sent me this message that one of these people sent oh, um, the husband of the president of the PTO at, her, I think it's, it's your school too, right? Your kid's school. And I saw it and I was like, I, I got mad and I was like, that guy's an asshole. And I was like, yeah. you know, I, i talked to Eileen a lot a little bit. I was like, she's really nice. And I was like, that guy is a dick and he doesn't know what he's talking about. And I was like, I would have likely like, I might've punched him in the face if we had, if he, if I'd heard him say something like that and you know, like in person, like,
2: well, it's he just, wouldn't, though. He would never say it because bravery comes behind a screen.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. And of course, that's what, yeah, that's exactly what it is. But, but I was like, I would have, I would have ripped him and like it would have been on, in, on Facebook because I would have been all over him and he would have probably been crying when it was done. Cause, cause I would have been, been, I would have I I been, good. I would have been kicked out of the page and probably in Facebook jail. But I was like, I can, I can get in a, a good argument with somebody. I can get you know pandering and in insulting to somebody if, if I really feel like I need to, but it's it's just not it's like he does the guy number one doesn't know what he's talking about, and he's again speaking against his own interests, right the interests of his kids, the interests of his family, and he's contributing to the problem, thinking that well we'll just if we just pretend like it's not a problem, it won't be a problem for us because, you know, in the end it's because we're, we're rich or we're, you know, we're privileged, you know, we're better than most people. And, you know, and that's the kind of the air of it all. So, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe he'll listen to this and and like want to fight me or something. (laughs) I'm pretty sure if he listened to it, he'd know who he was, but
2: and like you know, for all women in science, I will just say, white men yelling us down is what we're used to. It's yes. no big shock, and it's also really pathetic. Yeah, it's horrible. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's not a surprise to be told to shut up and smile more. I've mm-hmm. heard that. Um, <laughs> you know, I have a master's degree in epidemiology, and I've experience working in the area. I don't know what else should count.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would just I, you know I I would just say imagine. You know, it, it just anybody listening, think of something that you really know, like that you know better than most people. You know, the the thing that you pride yourself on knowing a lot of, right? That you think that you you know you, you know. For and for me, it's movies, right? It's movies and writing for me. Austin probably the same way. But then you think about when somebody comes in and just starts saying all of this stuff that is completely off base. Yeah. That is not not even an opinion, right? That's not even a take. Like, you know, I think Doctor Strange Love is a terrible movie. Like, <laughs> like it's not even like that. Because you they could tem- debate
2: that, right? Yeah, opinions.
1: but like they're saying things that are factually untrue. Mm-hmm. You know, like like they'll be like, you know, George Clooney was terrible in Doctor Strange Love. You know, and it's <laughs> like he wasn't in Doctor. Well, yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> horrible. Right, and it's like someone, and you just imagine that, like, and that's what that's what public health experts are going through on a daily basis all day, every day. Now, just people who have no clue what they're talking about speaking as if they know better than someone who's made their life's
2: work of this.
1: You yeah. Know? And it's,
2: it's a fight for legitimacy and it takes too much time to be yeah. honest. Yeah. you know, half of us like exhausted.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen validation of these opposing opinions. So these people mm-hmm. now find people in, in power, validating yeah. these opinions, and it just makes your life harder. And um, I just gotta say, Eileen, if 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 your neighbors are right and you are drunk right now, you are the most lucid <laughs> drunk I've ever seen. Okay, um, I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. I'm just kidding. I'm you just kidding. Spent my
2: days like that. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. She's perfectly lucid. Everyone. um <laughs> I just want to thank you so much for coming on. I hope we can oh, we you. can uh, talk again or. Uh, whatever happens, we, we, we gotta, we gotta tear this place down and, and, uh, it'd be great. Um, but you feel good about this, Eileen?
2: I do. This has been wonderful. Thank you guys. I appreciate
1: it. (laughs) Well, and when she starts her public health podcast, we'll come on her podcast and talk about movies that deal with public health.
2: It'll be oh, great.
1: Wow. I don't know.
0: Wow. <laughs> and then it will totally become a tangent and we'll just start uh, we bitching about people that are mean. Right. Um, okay, I just got to get Red Ass Joe back at some point. So we got we to <laughs> do that. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, Eileen. Thank
2: you. Thanks,
1: guys. All right. Thanks so much.
0: Well, that was our conversation about Totally Under Control. Um, I hope it was informative for you. I hope it was interesting. Um, You know, I I really love Eileen White. She's an absolute angel. And, uh, you know, Joe, of course, as always, is a complete asshole. No, I'm just kidding. He's great. I love Joe. Um, But if you want to follow Eileen White and you want to be nice to her, so not to feel the wrath of Joe, um, you know, definitely go check out uh, on Facebook. You can find it. Public Health Is Your Job Too. That is, Public Health Is Your Job Too. If you search that or at Public Health Is Your Job Too on uh, Facebook, I'm sure it's elsewhere. Um, For the life of me, couldn't find the direct blog. I forget exactly what it is. I know Joe just said it in the episode. Please find it. Follow her. She's fantastic. You'll learn a lot. She posts a lot of really awesome resources. So please go be friends like we have uh, become with Eileen. And uh, again, um, you know, this episode means a lot to me and I appreciate you getting this far. Um, you know, if you want to, if you want to support us, okay. Uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, one thing we would love to see more masks, more social distancing, more taking this seriously. Um, beyond that, you know, you can go to facebook.com backslash medium cool you can touch base with us. Let us know what you think, what you like, what you don't like on Instagram, Medium Cool Pod, or at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. Find us, um, mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Send us your feedback, send us your comments, questions, concerns, whatever you have. Because despite how I feel right now, of course I'm upset, but I love you guys. And I'm so proud that you're listening. And um, I just hope you keep doing it. So for now, good night. Good luck and take care.